Chapter thirty eight of Dread A Tale of the Great Dismal Swamp by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dread Chapter thirty eight The Purpose it would be scarcely possible to describe the scene which harry left in the library tom gordon was for a few moments stunned by the violence of his fall and clayton and mr jekyll at first did not know but he had sustained some serious injury and the latter in his confusion came very near attempting his recovery by pouring in his face the contents of the large inkstand certainly quite as appropriate a method under the circumstances as the exhortations with which he had deluged harry but clayton with more presence of mind held his hand and rang for water in a few moments however tom recovered himself and started up furiously where is he he shouted with a volley of oaths which made mr jekyll pull up his shirt collar as became a good elderly gentleman preparatory to a little admonition my young friend he began blast you none of your young friends to me where is he he has escaped said clayton quietly he got right out of the window said mr jekyll confound you why didn't you stop him said tom violently if that question is addressed to me said clayton i do not interfere in your family affairs you have interfered more than you ever shall again said tom roughly but there is no use talking now that fellow must be chased he thinks he got away from me we'll see i'll make such an example of him as shall be remembered he rang the bell violently jim he said did you see harry go off on my horse yes sir then why in thunder didn't you stop him i thought Masser tom sent him did so you knew better you dog and now i tell you order out the best horses and be on after him and if you don't catch him it will be the worse for you stay get me a horse i'll go myself clayton saw that it was useless to remain any longer at Kanama he therefore ordered his horse and departed tom gordon cast an evil eye after him as he rode away i hate that fellow he said i'll make him mischief one of these days if i can as to clayton he rode away in bitterness of spirit there are some men so constituted that the sight of injustice which they have no power to remedy is perfectly maddening to them this is a very painful and unprofitable constitution so far as this world is concerned but they can no more help it than they can the toothache others may say to them why what is it to you you can't help it and it's none of your concern but still the fever burns on besides clayton had just passed through one of the great crises of life all there is in that strange mystery of what man can feel for woman had risen like a wave within him and gathering into itself for a time the whole force of his being had broken with one dash on the shore of death and the waters had flowed helplessly backward in the great void which follows such a crisis 
the soul sets up a craving and cry for something to come in to fill the emptiness and while the heart says no person can come into that desolate and sacred enclosure it sometimes embraces a purpose as in some sort of substitute in this manner with solemnity and earnestness clayton resolved to receive as a life purpose a struggle with this great system of injustice which like a parasitic weed had struck its roots through the whole growth of society and was sucking thence its moisture and nourishment as he rode through the lonely pine woods he felt his veins throbbing and swelling with indignation and desire and there arose within him that sense of power which sometimes seems to come over man like an inspiration and leads him to say this shall not be and this shall be as if he possessed the ability to control the crooked course of human events he was thankful in his heart that he had taken the first step by entering his public protest against this injustice in quitting the bar of his native state what was next to be done how the evil was to be attacked how the vague purpose fulfilled he could not say clayton was not aware any more than others in his situation have been of what he was undertaking he had belonged to an old and respected family and always as a matter of course been received in all circles with attention and listened to with respect he who glides dreamily down the glassy surface of a mighty river floats securely making his calculations to row upward he knows nothing what the force of that seemingly glassy current will be when his one feeble oar is set against the whole volume of its waters clayton did not know that he was already a marked man that he had touched a spot in the society where he lived which was vital and which that society would never suffer to be touched with impunity it was the fault of clayton and is the fault of all such men that he judged mankind by himself he could not believe that anything except ignorance and inattention could make men upholders of deliberate injustice he thought all that was necessary was the enlightening of the public mind the direction of general attention to the subject in his way homeward he revolved in his mind immediate measures of action this evil should no longer be tampered with he would take on himself the task of combining and concentrating those vague impulses towards good which he supposed were existing in the community he would take counsel of leading minds he would give his time to journeyings through the state he would deliver addresses write in the newspapers and do what otherwise lies in the power of a free man who wishes to reach an utterly unjust law full of these determinations clayton entered again his father's house after two days of solitary writing he had written in advance to his parents of the death of nina and had begged them to spare him any conversation on that subject and therefore on his first meeting with his mother and father there was that painful blank that heavy dullness of suffering which comes when people meet together feeling deeply on one absorbing subject which must not be named it was a greater self-denial to his impulsive warm-hearted mother than to clayton she yearned to express sympathy to throw herself upon his neck 
to draw forth his feelings and mingle them with her own but there are some people with whom this is impossible it seems to be their fate that they cannot speak of what they suffer it is not pride nor coldness but a kind of fatal necessity as if the body were a marble prison in which the soul were condemned to bleed and suffer alone it is the last triumph of affection and magnanimity when a loving heart can respect that suffering silence of its beloved and allow that lonely liberty in which only some natures can find comfort clayton's sorrow could only be measured by the eagerness and energy with which in conversation he pursued the object with which he endeavored to fill his mind i am far from looking forward with hope to any success from your efforts said judge clayton the evil is so radical i sometimes think said mrs clayton that i regret that edward began as he did it was such a shock to the prejudices of people people have got to be shocked said clayton in order to wake them up out of old absurd routine use paralyzes us to almost every injustice when people are shocked they begin to think and to inquire but would it not have been better said mrs clayton to have preserved your personal influence and thus have insinuated your opinions more gradually there is such a prejudice against abolitionists and when a man makes any sudden demonstration on this subject people are apt to call him an abolitionist and then his influence is all gone and he can do nothing i suspect said clayton there are multitudes now in every part of our state who are kept from expressing what they really think and doing what they ought to do by this fear somebody must brave this mad dog cry somebody must be willing to be odious and i shall answer the purpose as well as anybody have you any definite plan of what is to be attempted said his father of course said clayton a man's first notion on such a subject must be crude but it occurred to me first to endeavor to excite the public mind on the injustice of the present slave law with a view to altering it and what points would you alter said judge clayton i would give to the slave the right to bring suit for injury and to be a legal witness in court i would repeal the law forbidding their education and i would forbid the separation of families judge clayton sat pondering at length he said and how will you endeavor to excite the public mind i shall appeal first said clayton to the church and the ministry you can try it said his father why said mrs clayton these reforms are so evidently called for by justice and humanity and the spirit of the age that i can have no doubt that there will be a general movement among all good people in their favor judge clayton made no reply there are some cases where silence is the most disagreeable kind of dissent because it admits of no argument in reply in my view said clayton the course of legal reform in the first place should remove all those circumstances in the condition of the slaves which tend to keep them in ignorance and immorality and make the cultivation of self-respect impossible such as the want of education protection in the family state and the legal power of obtaining redress for injuries after that the next step would be to allow those masters who are so disposed to emancipate 
giving proper security for the good behavior of their servants they might then retain them as tenants under this system emancipation would go on gradually only the best masters would at first emancipate and the example would be gradually followed the experiment would soon demonstrate the superior cheapness and efficiency of the system of free labor and self-interest would then come in to complete what principle began it is only the first step that costs but it seems to me that in the course of my life i have met with multitudes of good people groaning in secret under the evils and injustice of slavery who would gladly give their influence to any reasonable effort which promises in time to ameliorate and remove them the trouble is said judge clayton that the system though ruinous in the long run to communities is immediately profitable to individuals besides this it is a source of political influence and importance the holders of slaves are an aristocracy supported by special constitutional privileges they are united against the spirit of the age by a common interest in danger and the instinct of self-preservation is infallible no logic is so accurate as a matter of personal feeling many slaveholders would rejoice in some of the humane changes which you propose but they see at once that any change endangers the perpetuity of the system on which their political importance depends therefore they'll resist you at the very outset not because they would not many of them be glad to have justice done but because they think they cannot afford it they will have great patience with you they will even have sympathy with you so long as you confine yourself merely to the expression of feeling but the moment your efforts produce the slightest movement in the community then my son you will see human nature in a new aspect and know more about mankind than you know now very well said clayton the sooner the better well edward said mrs clayton if you are going to begin with the ministry why don't you go and talk to your uncle cushing he is one of the most influential among the presbyterians in the whole state and i have often heard him lament in the strongest manner the evils of slavery he has told me some facts about its effect on the character of his church members both bond and free that are terrible yes said judge clayton your brother will do all that he will lament the evils of slavery in private circles and he will furnish you any number of facts if you will not give his authority for them and don't you think that he will be willing to do something no said judge clayton not if the cause is unpopular why said mrs clayton do you suppose that my brother will be deterred from doing his duty for fear of personal unpopularity no said judge clayton but your brother has the interest of zion on his shoulders by which he means the presbyterian organization and he will say that he can afford to risk his influence and the same will be true of every leading minister of every denomination the episcopalians are keeping watch over episcopacy the methodists over methodism the baptists over baptism none of them dare espouse an unpopular cause lest the others taking advantage of it should go beyond them in public favor none of them will want the odium of such a reform as this but i don't see any odium in it said mrs clayton 
it's one of the noblest and one of the most necessary of all possible changes nevertheless said judge clayton it will be made to appear extremely odious the catchwords of abolition incendiarism fanaticism will fly thick as hail and the storm will be just in proportion to the real power of the movement it will probably end in edward's expulsion from the state my father i should be unwilling to think said clayton that the world is quite so bad as you represent it particularly the religious world i was not aware that i was representing it as very bad said judge clayton i only mentioned such facts as everybody can see about them there are undoubtedly excellent men in the church but said clayton did not the church in the primitive ages stand against the whole world in arms if religion be anything must it not take the lead of society and be its sovereign and teacher and not its slave i don't know as to that said judge clayton i think you'll find the facts much as i have represented them what the church was in the primitive ages or what it ought to be now is not at all to our purpose in making practical calculations without any disrespect i wish to speak of things just as they are nothing is ever gained by false expectations oh said mrs clayton you lawyers get so uncharitable i am quite sure that edward will find brother ready to go heart and hand with him i am sure i shall be glad of it if he does said judge clayton i shall write to him about it immediately said mrs clayton and edward shall go and talk with him courage edward our woman's instincts after all have some prophetic power in them at all events we women will stand by you to the last clayton sighed he remembered the note nina had written him on the day of the decision and thought what a brave-hearted little creature she was and like the faint breath of a withered rose the shadowy remembrance of her seemed to say to him go on end of chapter thirty eight the purpose